everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's been a while and Lenya and I are back. We're going to be talking, we're hoping twice a month, talking about everything as usual. We're sure race will come up as we go because it always does. But we both took a break over the summer, partly because we did some traveling, partly because we both have new goals and we're working a lot. And also, I think for both of us, the Dobbs decision and everything else going in the world was quite frankly, a kick in the gut. And at least I know both of us needed cocooning where we weren't talking. No, you're right. I mean, I mean, we were talking to each other. We just didn't want to like talk it about it in front of people. But yeah, I mean, it has been an interesting time. I mean, we, we now know that the governments of the world just don't care about us as people because every yeah. single government has the same exact sort of decision to just kind of like let COVID run through, let monkeypox run through and let this new virus that's coming around run through. And the fact that polio is back, you know, yeah, like actually, I blame more the anti-vaxxing moms for polio coming back. This is your fault, your fault. And I don't want to see any, <laughs> the, 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 well, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I remember when measles came back and this like somebody put on Facebook, oh, look, I haven't vaxxed my kids and stuff, but you know, I want to know how do I protect them from measles? <laughs> like, bitch, vax your fucking kid, you idiot. You're the reason why measles is back. Clearly I had to get rid of Facebook. <laughs> I do agree. I mean, I I sort of haven't, because I did so much traveling, I'm actually a little bit out of it on COVID, you know, where the vaxxer situation is. I've always been sort of surprised now that I do have friends who are anti-vaxxers and they're very left progressives and they're sort of in a government conspiracy kind of thing. And it is beyond the pale to me that anybody would be open about it. Like I was like, if you're, if you're an anti-vaxxer, can you please shut up? I just if don't want to get vaccinated. I guess, you know, it's that thing of this whole personal freedom thing, right? You know, it's my personal freedom. And I'm like, it's, it's, there has to be a community interest. And this well, is Americans are so selfish. We're selfish. But did I, I mean, but I, what? Yes, I agree. I, I, I think capitalism on steroids breeds a little selfishness. I think that's a part of it. But I do think another part is, and this is where if I were like, if I were going to bridge the gap, right? Like, I think we could all agree that our social fabric is frayed Mm. and we don't. And that's why it always annoys me. And I was just, you know, in Malawi. I hate when people say, oh, you know, even though life's so hard, like there is happiness here, there is joy. And that is actually true. And in some, but we're looking from the outside in, but what you see is there is some community fabric that's there that breeds a little bit more contentment, peace of mind, and not there's so much hardship. So when I say peace of mind, I'm not saying that there isn't dread because I've interviewed plenty of people there where there is like dread and they don't know how they're going to make it through the next day. But there is like this sense of community that I don't necessarily always feel here. Right. And, and the, the religious right, I'll say, right. Cause the church and, and I would say, yeah, that's one way to do it, but we're also just generally having to work 60 hour weeks. There's nowhere to create any community and really keep that solid 
net. So I, and I, and nobody appreciates it. And it is a little selfish. Like we totally misconstrue freedom. It's interesting. I was listening to Black TikTok. I listen to Black TikTok all the time. We were talking about community, right? Because the African-American community here is very tight, you know, we have to be just for safety reasons. So, you know, African-American TikTok is always putting out tips, always, you know, there's always a good conversation going around on how we can better our lives as, as, as a people. And I feel like that breeds community. And, but I don't feel that when I go to other sides of TikTok, only native TikTok, I feel that. And I wonder if, if it, what, what culturally is different between Black Americans, European Americans, Asian, well, Asian Americans also have a very tight community. I mean, even beyond their, like African Americans and natives, beyond their, their family structure, very tight community, you know, within their friends and cousins and stuff. And I want to know what it, why is there this difference? in the way we we kind of like move like why what's what what is it that started that i always wondered what is it that started that different communities move differently that's an interesting right because i feel community amongst a lot of my friends i have african-american friends on my street like i feel my community and i you feel there is a little bit something to do with say i, I mean i'm sure there are people who would say you know, the oppressed or, or, or a minority or, uh, fringe is a word. And I don't mean like for, like when people find subcultures, yeah. right. Yes. So it's the idea of sub being in a subculture breeds some community because yeah. if you're an other, you have to find other others and then you have an immediate closeness. So the idea is of course, there's going to be immediate community like in your block from whatever other black people are on your block because you're like, I'm, we're surrounded by white people. We're, we're a little community. And, and you might be able to very immediately find a commonality. But even let's look at Gen X from a broader standpoint, right? We don't necessarily have tons of community with every Gen Xer, but there is the yeah, sort of, thing. there are the other generation Right. Yeah. Think about it. And it was like all of a sudden we're like, oh, what do we have in common? Well, we all saw past farms at Ridgemont High or whatever the yes. whatever it is, we all have that thing in common. And immediately there's some community. Part of why everybody what is amazing about the internet is because people can find their now I'm using other a different way, but like they're finding their others. You know, I want to dress like a starship trooper every day. I can find other people who want to dress like a starship trooper every day. But that's also fractured everybody because it's so, you know, because we're in so many subsets. I think it, community just gets more difficult. For me, I'm really curious, like how people use and miss misuse means they're doing it wrongly. There's no wrong way to use the internet, but people who are effectively using. There is a wrong way to use the internet. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is it might like, it might backfire with the person's intent. Right. But the idea is like somebody's going to use the internet and make themselves feel more isolated, maybe by accident. And some people are going to use it and feel like they've found a community they wouldn't have already had. But I do remember that, like I had a a, a friend in the late eighties. He, he sort of flirted with his sexuality, partly because he just really felt like he belonged 
in the LGBTQ community, even if he wasn't LBGTQ. Okay, I get that. You know what I mean? Like he identified with the other things other than who you wanted to have sex with. And he and he really felt like, you know, that's where he fit in and belonged. And I and I and I and so for me, as someone who's always sort of been fairly in the mainstream, do you know what I mean? I totally get it. Like sometimes I wish, you know, as I wish I were this, I wish I were this because it'd be easier to find something in common. Do you know what I mean? So even with my students, I'll say something like, well, you're all in moot court. You're your own cohort. Do you know what I mean? You all have something that binds you together. You know, and that's, even if you think about, not extreme hazing, like bad hazing. And I guess somebody would argue all hazing is bad, but hear me out. Because I also don't like hazing at all. Fraternities and sororities, I generally believe, should go away. And you know it's Bama Rush Week right now. (laughs) Oh, so everybody. All right. So, well, I was like, the Greek system, at least where I went to school, like it was, it seemed to work for many men, but there are just enough horror stories and I was so bullied. That was really the only time I really felt bullied by people. So, but anyway, what I was going to say, what's interesting about the hazing idea is that it binds community quickly Mm. through bad experiences, right? So like even in my sorority, we had to get out in the snow. We were woken up at three in the morning and didn't have time to put on anything, you know, so we're all in our really trendy in the 80s to wear boxer shorts you know as pajamas and so we had our boxer shorts on and our you know t-shirts and we're like out in the snow you know it's snowed two inches some of us have slippers on some of us are bare feet i don't know we had to do some stupid relay race in the snow and we were all miserable and we were all bitching but then after it was over we all went for greasy breakfast and we were all talking about the things so that experience did bond us. You know what I mean? Now, I'm not going and saying anybody should do that, but that builds community, right? Mm-hmm. So that idea that we're also isolated in our TVs and in our homes and it's, it's, we don't, what are we bound by? You know what I mean? What binds us all together? And we all want to look perfect all the time. So, or be perfect all the time. I mean, it's crazy. I don't. Well, I, I don't care either. But that's the glory of global <laughs> 50. I think a little bit. You know, it's I just don't. I look like I look. Same. In Malawi, when you were talking about governments don't care about us. So then I started, I started saying, oh, well, you know, when I teach at Jacaranda School for Orphans, I, you know, I work with the kids' poetry stories and I put together this literary journal. And one of the young women wrote a poem and I want to read the poem. Do you? It's really short. She's 17. And she's not been outside Malawi yet. Like this, you know what I mean? So she's in grew yeah. up in the village. Okay. So. Our Members of Parliament by Felista Luciano. Our members who we will go into Parliament. Remember the promises you make during campaigns. Your commitment to development. Be your goal. For you are our servants, not our masters, and your duty is to serve, not to starve us of development, 
May you please be reminded that your entry into office is not by your academic qualifications, but by our trust you will serve us. Care not only about your stomachs and deliver us from poverty and lead us into prosperity. Lead us not into deprivation, for our vote will boot you out. Give us our desired development, and we will give you another term. Amen. Wow. That needs to be at the presidential inauguration. I know. Well, and this is, I was like, Felista, you just wrote, this could apply to my own country. So when you say like the issues are the same, you know, and the issues are, and they feel more and more the same. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. She's quite a young woman. I've known her since she was in eighth grade. Now she's going into her senior year, getting close to graduation. And what is so funny is she's like, I want to do international relations and write novels. And I'm like, absolutely. And then yes. like, and I've already written like 30 chapters of a novel. And I was, and she was like, and Madam Alexandra, can you, can you read it? And I'm like, fuck 30 chapters. You're like three pages. She's a teenager. Like, so of course it's like, you know, three <laughs> pages long. And of course, even though she's written about this and she's written a, a lot about race and she's written a lot about sexual assault, I have to say it's all about boys and girls and kissing and dating and who likes oh, you and who's doing romance. it. Oh my God. It is the same. And then every single boy like wrote like a horror story. I was like, Always is like there are some things that don't universe change. Oh, uh, she needs to be nurtured and developed. Oh, absolutely. But no, Felicity yeah. is amazing. But there's so many good poems and so that, many stories. But that one is so righteous and so applicable. And it is the it is. I was like, is she just watching like C-SPAN and like writing? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's so interesting because, you know, Liz Chang lost her primary. I know. And everybody's so sad. And I'm like, but you, you understand this bitch is not for us. She never was. Just because she's against Trump doesn't mean she's for us. No, and absolutely. Yet, like, I do think she's best. Like, I, yeah, I totally agree. Do I think she's not corrupt? Yes, I actually do think that she is not corrupt, but she applauded the Dobbs decision. Do you know what I mean? She is oh, yeah, finally like her voting like, record. It's appalling. Oh, no, it is like that's idea of like too short a memory. Like it's yeah, yeah, I can accept that she's not corrupt, but everybody's making her a hero. I'm like, no, she's, not. she's just doing her job. Actually, when there are a lot of other people who don't do their jobs because they're completely corrupt. So it's become so the standards are so low no, that like, she becomes a hero because she's not corrupt. I mean, when our standards are in the toilet, then where do we go? We have nowhere to go because our standards right now for anything is toilet. That's where it is. Well, it was just like, you know, you're thinking about I don't even know what to to do. Like I fight. See, it was, I knew it was only going to take us 20 minutes to get to, to abortion. I was going for a walk because I was in Italy with my niece and my nephew. My niece is 13. My nephew is 16. And, you know, I'm thinking about, okay. And they live in Wisconsin, which, you know, not yeah. to have an abortion, right? My 13-year-old niece, like, I'm not as worried about, you know, they have pro-choice parents. 
And we live in California and conspiracy theories, more strict laws aside, like she's not going to suffer, not going to to suffer because my sister will do whatever needs to be done to protect her right to choose. And she would go to prison for it. And I would also go to prison for that, like not a problem. So you can spin out all the whatabouts, you know, but I still, all the hypotheticals, I was like, yeah, but still, you know, Candace will get on a plane with her daughter and whatever. Timothy is more, I'm more worried about, right? Because I was like, you need to check the, the, the one before you date anyone, you need to know where they stand. And then you need to know where their parents stand. Because, no, because like you're in such a more dangerous position that you're going to end up paying child support Mm -hmm. from the age of 60. I'm I'm not telling him any of this, you know, but I'm taking a walk in Tuscany and the sun is rising and it's beautiful. And I've worked myself into a froth. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like about what is poor Timothy going to do and then he shouldn't and then i was like you shouldn't apply to colleges in any state where abortion yes. overly restricted and you know but it's like how does that change dating you know hey let's have a beer and and by the way you know do you and but you know what alex maybe we need to start normalizing having these conversations early on i swear if we start having conversations about where you stand politically and early on you will save yourself so much heartache and, and disaster later, right? I got, I have no problem with on the first date saying, okay, so listen, where do you stand for this? What do you stand for that? What do you do for this? What do you do for that? Can I see what your TikTok likes are? I want to know what you follow on Instagram. I want to know because don't waste my time. I totally agree. And honestly, I did that in college, right? I did that in college because I, I was not interested in in dating anyone anti-choice. It was like 1985 through 1989. I was in college. So that was right before the Casey decision. So I was working. I was I was a field organizer for now. So I, you know, I was like very lit up about it. And I did ask people and I wasn't friends. People are going to think I'm narrow-minded, but I wasn't friends with people who weren't pro-choice. And I still kind of draw that line now. So I get it. And I think, you know, and I think Timothy is a little bit like that. Like his girlfriend is pro-choice, but she doesn't, he doesn't know what the parents are. And I'm like, the parents are the dangerous ones if she gets yeah. pregnant. It is that time where I was like, God, if I had a son, I'd be wrapping him in bubble wrap. Do you know what I mean? Like, do yeah. not, I'd be wrapping the penis. Sorry, this is gross, but seriously wrapping it in bubble wrap saying, please, just, just don't, don't. Don't do anything. This is the time where I'm glad I have an adult child that lives in another country. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's. Anyway, I just, and I know my sister worries. I mean, it isn't, but I was like, I'm not going to get, it's not, you know, it's not my kid. And he's a very responsible young man. So I, you know, but it's. Nerve-wracking. I mean, I'm raising these conversations, not just for us, but for everyone. We should normalize these conversations for all women. I want to destigmatize abortion. Like part of where we all went wrong, like we, meaning society, the pro-choice end of society, is that while the anti-choice people were very smartly building up stories, right? Storytelling narratives of horror stories. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We were 
protecting our right to privacy and buying into the idea that having an abortion should be stigmatized. And now I do think that just sort of like women don't know how much, even though we'll talk about anything, you know, women tend to share a lot. We don't tend to talk about exactly how much we weigh. We don't actually ever share exactly how much we make. And we tend not to just be open and honest about an abortion. Not just abortions, Alex. Anything having to do with our vaginas, we are not open and honest with. That's why you don't talk about miscarriages as well. That's why when you hear women talking about their miscarriages yeah. recently, you it, it is it's something that's new. We do not yeah. talk about our vaginas enough. No, I agree. Women talk about like when they're in their 20s, they talk a lot about how much sex they're having. But even that could be a lie. No, it's true. It's true. It's all, it might all be puffery or we have no idea, but you're right. Nobody's having deep conversations, but it's that conversation of, I didn't think it was my place to talk to my nephew, but like I, we did, it kind of came up for a second and, and he said, oh, well, you know, it's just not going to be a problem. And, and I'm sure that's because he's, you know, he's a 16, he's a teenager. They, you know what I mean? They, they don't have a sense of mortality or really of consequences yet, but it's also because I'm sure he can't imagine that anything like that happens. He doesn't really know that almost every single woman in his family has had an abortion. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't know the history. And so it doesn't feel real to him that it can happen to anybody. It's still in that 16 year old mindset. It happens to other people that I was like, we all have to own. Do you know what I mean? That we didn't do it. We didn't like people are like, oh, that happens because I agree. Like the heart, the yes, the horror story that people are outlawing in cases of rape or when the women's health. So the New York Times has been covering like, you know, I was raped at 11 and I had an abortion. It saved my life. It wasn't about choice. It was about life. And I totally like, yes, more of that. Absolutely. I think I've said this on the podcast before, but like I had an appointment my first year of law school to have an abortion. And I went on the Friday that it was scheduled and I miscarried. Right. So, and I just remember the nurse who was so nice. She's like, well, your body took care of it. So we don't have to. But I was like, and it was, I was alone. I mm-hmm. didn't tell the, the boy because we were just having, I say boy, we were in her twenties, but it feels like now we were kids. But I didn't tell the guy because we were having a casual relationship and I was a little worried because he had kind of made noise that he was a Republican and I wasn't sure where he stood and I wasn't taking a risk. And I didn't, I was, you know, a month into law school, so I didn't have any friends. You know what I mean? So I just did all this by myself. And I remember, you know, I I just remember all the cramping and all the bleeding and all the, and I didn't feel ashamed in the sense, like I had to, I mean, I was 23 years old. I was going to law school. Like I, I, I never wanted children. We did use a condom. Do you know what I mean? Like we, I was responsible. I did what I needed to do and it still happened and my life would have been derailed. So I was like, I could tell you my abortion story was completely different. Okay. I was with my boyfriend of years and years and years. We were actually thinking about getting married and I got pregnant. And I don't remember if I was on birth control or not. But anyway, the, the thing is, I had already had Kadeem. I didn't. And, and the thing is, I never wanted to be a mom, but Kadeem was a lovely surprise, but I didn't want to I didn't want to do it again. 
And then that's what I was thinking. Then when we made the appointment to go together, we went, I freaked out. I had an absolute panic attack in the abortion clinic because I was like, well, I'm in a, I'm in a relationship. This we've been together for four years at that point. Why couldn't I do this? You know what I mean? And then um, the woman was like, if this is how you feel, you should leave. Okay, fine. I left. The next week, I made the appointment to do it again because I did not want to have a baby. Like the bottom line is I didn't want to have a baby. So I came back, I had it done and I left. Did you go with the boyfriend that time, the second time? Yeah, the whole, every single time. Every time, like he was, he, it, but he didn't exactly want right. to You made this really thoughtful choice. Do you know what I mean? And you, yeah. like, it was... But interestingly enough, later down the line, I thought, well, you know, I really did want to have maybe a daughter. And then later, later in my life, like now, I'm thinking, God, I, I'm so glad I never got pregnant from this dude. Because we did end up getting married and he was a complete and total fucking asshole. And like our divorce, <laughs> yeah, and like it was just horrible. The things that I went through with that marriage, my brain saved me from more trauma because I would have then had another kid to have to deal with with this guy. He had already taken over the father figure for Kadeen. You know, it would have been a freaking nightmare. So I'm like, my mind saved me so much drama as you know. So that, that was one of my abortion stories. Cause I've had a couple, a right. lot of people like to think that, uh, that, you know, women use abortion like birth control, but that's not necessarily true. Right. Sometimes these things happen and, and well, you, also, like nobody really talks about the idea that, you know, to protect yourself uh, for a lot of women, birth control, like the pill, the hormone, any kind of hormone in your body sets off an array of of very much problems. Yes. People say, oh, it's good for acne. Oh, it's good for endometriosis. Well, for me, the pill made sex so painful that Mm -hmm. I would have to sit in a tub, a cold tub, like after sex for about 90 minutes. Honestly, like in college, I was so afraid of getting pregnant that that is what I did. Do you know what I mean? I would sit wow. in a cold tub and that's ridiculous. Like eventually I was, yeah, I talked to a doctor. The doctor was like, well, we can try a lower dose, but then it's not safe. And I was like, you know what? I, this just, it doesn't work. I'm going to, like, I went off the pill and I said, I'll wait till technology, I'll wait till technology gets better. I'll try again. I had tried several times. It just always was really bad for me. Well, I got pregnant on the pill. See, and that's the other thing. Nobody even talks about the ideas that, you know, people are like, oh, it's 93% effective. And I'm like, well, that's, that's still 7%. I had an IUD. I was on the pill. I used the sponge. I mean, you name it. I, I couldn't help it that I was like fertile. Yeah. And, and I, I like really legitimately did not want to see myself with children. Absolutely. And you did. And the thing is, you took all the steps. If I don't, and this is where I do strongly believe, you know, that, I mean, come on, like we, it's, it's a tool. And if we destigmatize it, here's the thing for me too, is like a lot of, because we don't talk enough about our vaginas and we don't talk enough about this issue that we also like, 
women who are sort of frightened, do you know, by it? You, I yeah. mean, some people don't realize they're pregnant for a long time and that's just yes. a health issue. But a lot of the times there might be some sort of, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to face, I don't want to deal. But the idea is if everything was destigmatized, you would be able to say, okay, and yeah. You know, even though I have an odd period, I'm going to and I don't know when I'm going to get it. I'm going to check because I'm not going to feel stigmatized by what I might have to do next. And it's that same idea is that there. I mean, especially now with the morning after pill, which I have used liberally. Do you know what I mean? Like in older age, like not being on the pill, like I was like, okay. you know, but I got to say it's fifty six dollars or whatever it is. That's not cheap. So then you're not. It's not easily accessible for people who might need it. And especially it used, I don't know where it is right now. I did have a student in my women in law class do a survey of like when it's over the counter. And even if it's over the counter, you still have to ask a pharmacist for it. And so a lot of times the pharmacist will give you shade. Well, there's a something going on right now about a pharmacist in one of the Walgreens Rite Aid CPS who would not do it. Because it's because of their political religious objections, which is bullshit. You work in a pharmacy. Yeah. Get another job. Yeah, I know. A job is not a right. Okay. So with a promise we made to each other that we were going to do shorter podcasts. So everybody, we're wrapping this up on this like happy note. (laughs) <laughs> but but we're we're trying to keep down costs so we can keep bringing you podcasts. So bear with us on that. We'll have links in the show notes to Jacaranda Foundation and Planned Parenthood and and anything else that we think of that connected to this conversation. And Lenya, it's good to see your face. Good to see you too. You guys were both were. You guys, that's also, we're not supposed to say that. And and I see that as a Gen Xer because guys, it's othering, like not everybody's a guy. So we're supposed to say folks or people, but I I actually choose that language should expand. And so guys should just be a gender neutral everybody, but everyone, what was I going to (laughs) say? You got off topic. While Lenya is definitely on TikTok and she's great, so you should follow her on TikTok. We're both doing a lot less social media these days for our own mental health, so you can find us there, but basically find us where you get your podcasts, find us on our on our website, womenbridgingthegap.com. Peace out. We love you. Bye.